Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. It gets a little cold outside and we get a little bit quieter with our welcome. I want to say a big shout out and welcome to our family in Maple Grove and in Elk River. What's up? I know like you, uh, all of our campuses are thankful for heat. Amen. This time of year and for warm clothes and all that goes with that. I also want to welcome... Those of you that are watching us online, there are many that did not make it out today and uh, certainly want to say, hey, we've prayed for you, and I'm glad that you're a part of the story here at Emmanuel today. Feel free to worship and pray and give and all those kind of things. Be a part of the family, even if you're sitting at home. We believe that Jesus shows up anywhere. He's not restricted to the four walls of a church, that he's near all of us. Hey, we've got a lot of things going on this week, and uh, let's be ready for those things. Uh, beginning Thursday night, our Christmas Spectacular going on, and there's different service times in each of our campuses for the weekend experiences, but I just want to encourage you to invite your friends and your family to be a part of it. Today, we go into part four of Capture the Wonder, and the title of today's message is Hope for Today and Tomorrow. Say that with me. Hope for Today and Tomorrow. Turn to the person next to you and say, and tomorrow. You know, we've been talking about capturing the wonder. We can lose certain things in life. We're leaky vessels. Life experiences can kind of suck the joy out of us or take away our hope. And experiences that we've uh, caused and those things that have been done to us. And yet, with the story of Jesus, we have the opportunity to capture something that's really special. Jesus brings more than good news about our eternal destiny, although that's at the core of who he is. But he also brings a sense of life and moving things from black and white to color. And he is, one of his titles is wonderful. In Isaiah chapter 9, one of the passages of the prophecies of who the Messiah would be said, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, everybody said, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God and Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. He's the wonderful counselor. And so we believe that Jesus can bring wonder to our lives in ways that perhaps has not happened in previous Christmases. Knowing that, you know, at this season of time that all of us approach Christmas from different vantage points, I don't want you to miss the fact that no, whether you like the the Christmas ornaments or or ugly Christmas sweaters or not, whether or not you enjoy family get-togethers or not because of your own story. I talked about it last week on how my history affects how I approach my Christmas presents or my Christmas past affect my Christmas presents. But when it comes to announcing the wonderful Jesus, it's possible I can discover new parts of, of the kingdom of God and the character of Jesus this Christmas in ways that I have never done before. In my 40 plus years on this earth, I believe that there's still greater things ahead, that there are things that God's going to unveil to me that I have not experienced yet. Can I get an amen? So when it comes to experiencing him, we need to be prepared to capture it, to not miss our moment. Today, I'm going to have uh, Pastor Ben Bright, one of our newest staff members, help me out with our message. And Pastor Ben uh, has got a long story. We've known each other way back in the day. He was a youth pastor, actually in Maple Grove at Grove Christian Center. And then he went off to Janesville, Wisconsin. And in Janesville... 
Uh, he was youth pastor and an associate pastor uh, for 10 and a half years. And just this fall, he came back to be on our staff at Emmanuel. And he's our campus life pastor overseeing what I call game day activities. So everything from the parking lot to the coffee to our door hosts to taking care of the experience in the sanctuary and thinking about on each of the campuses, how do we best take care of our guests and how do we serve and, and how do we get more and more people engaged? Pastor Ben is jumped, jumping on board with us. And one of the things about his story that I love is, is that as he and Sarah and the girls have come in, is that he's already one of us and he's brought a unique new joy to our story. Coming from Janesville, good things do come out of Wisconsin. Hello. <laughs> Coming from Janesville, he brought something new in. And together today, he and I are going to look at locking in on the promise and the hope that Jesus brings for today and tomorrow. That the story of Jesus doesn't need to be wrapped up in the nostalgia of Christmas past or kind of the trinkets that we're used to looking at in the story of Christmas, but to think about unwrapping Jesus for all of our future, not just to close the story on it when Christmas is over, but how does Jesus come alive during this season? And to help me kind of illustrate that, I just want to talk, how many of you have ever seen a nativity scene? You've seen a nativity? So a nativity scene has to do with, and you're going to help me out here, Pastor Ben, it, it, it will have, typically have Mary in it. How many know Mary is important to the story of Christmas, right? And then uh, there's this guy named Joseph. He's a part of the story as well. And, uh, and then uh, there's this, this little baby called Jesus. How many know Jesus is an important part of the story? And we'll just put Jesus here uh, for now. If we wanted to plug him in, he would light up. That's pretty cool. Um, how many know Jesus doesn't need to be plugged in? He's already <laughs> part of the story. Then, then we had shepherds that were called into the story that... We talked about last week in the scripture, it's actually fun just holding these guys by their heads. Um, and they came in because the angels had announced who Jesus was and they were drawn into the story. And of course, last week we talked a lot about how God brings other people in the story. How many are thankful you're brought into the story of Jesus? Amen. So here's, here's the thing. You'll see these in front yards, and perhaps you'll see them in settings in front of some churches and historical nativity scenes. But like everything else at Christmas, uh, how many of you have Christmas decorations? You, some of you pull them out in July, let's be honest. But you pull them out of a, a box or a bin that you keep things in, and, and you set everything up, and it gives you kind of warm, fuzzy feelings. And then when Christmas is over, sometime after Christmas, hopefully sometime in January, by January, you put them back in the packages and they go back in the box, okay? So it's like a, a seasonal mood. We uh, honor, we think about Jesus in this season. But today, what I want you to consider is the possibility that this story of Christmas and why Jesus came really has more to do with every day in the future than just one season. That perhaps we can too respond to the story of Jesus and his birth the way that the other people that were brought in the story did. They came in 
not just to see Jesus like a zoo animal, but they came to worship. Everybody said worship. There was an outward response. There was a response to the reality that this Jesus was God. And, of course, he grew up and he died on a cross for our sins and he rose from the dead and he's alive today. Amen. He's not just stuck in some historical story that we put back in the box. Now, here's, here's what I should consider. As we move into this story, I want you to consider the why Jesus came and then the response that you and I can have to that why. And I'm going to do a handoff right now to Pastor Ben. Would you give it up for Pastor Ben Bright as he comes to help me preach today's message? Well, thank you so much, Pastor Nate. It's a privilege to share the pulpit with you. I want to also say thank you to all the people of Emmanuel, the Emmanuel family that's helped my wife and my daughters feel so welcomed over the last couple of months. Uh, Our staff is fantastic. As Pastor Nate said, I get to work with all of our things, our game day things, so can we take one quick moment and just give a round of applause to all of our door hosts, greeters, uh, everybody in the lobby that helps make Sundays happen. There's so many funny things that go through a preacher's head when you get up and you have the microphone in your hand. And I'm only going to share one of them. Uh, Being that we're sending this to Elk River and Maple Grove, they told me that the camera shot goes about waist high. However, my wife's been on my case about hitting the gym. So if we could just tighten it up, right about here would be great. Thank you. Something about me that you might resonate with, uh, because I'll just start here. Today's one of those days, this is one of those stories, where you ever watch a TV show or you go to a movie and you go like, did they do it? Yes. I love youth. They're they're willing to respond. (laughs) Thank you for the heads up. Um, Today's one of those sermons, it's one of these stories, and Christmas is really one of these stories that's similar to some TV shows and movies that the very first thing that you see is actually about two-thirds of the way through the storyline, and, and it brings you into the drama and the suspense of everything, and then they go back to day one and kind of bring you up to what led to that moment. Christmas is kind of one of those deals where we see it and we're caught up in this moment of Jesus coming to earth, but we often uh, forget that that's about two-thirds of the way through the story. It's not the start of the story, and it's not the end of the story, but it's a very important part of the story. A little bit about me. Uh, I like when things break. Um, First service, we had a light bulb kind of pop, and it scared me at first. And then I was like, wow, that was cool, and it was a little mini explosion. Um, Some of you, you're with me. You're demo people. You like demolition. Uh, When I was a kid, I'd watch TV late at night sometimes when I could get away with it, and I'd turn on the David Letterman show. And David Letterman is a kindred spirit to me in this sense that he had this segment on a show. He was a pioneer and an innovator, and he would have this segment on a show where they did nothing but drop stuff off of the rooftop of buildings, and it was the best. One time he took bowling balls, dropped them off the top of the roof onto a car just to see what would happen. The car smashed. It was awesome. Uh, Another time he called it his napalm birthday cake. Napalm is, is like this, basically took a bunch of lighter fluid, poured it on a birthday cake, lit that thing on fire, and sent it off the roof, and it just, in a flaming ball of glory, smashed onto the concrete five stories below. It was always fun to watch. Now, when, when I was really little, when I was five, my family moved to Maple Grove. And back then, Maple Grove was like 
a field and a Kmart. Things have changed a little bit. Um, but we rented a farmhouse from our neighbor. And at the farmhouse, there was still a barn and there were these outbuildings. And behind some of the structures, there, were, there was like stuffed junk that people would store there. And everybody that's been on a farm or you go up northern Minnesota, some places, you know what I'm talking about. You have the junk pile. Um, so my buddies and I, my other five-year-old buddies, we saw stuff back there. And you know what we like to do with it? We like to break it. And so anything that we could, it was already trashed, so we would break it. There happened to be this trailer back there that we were just, you know, as kids just smashing windows, poking holes in the side of it with whatever we could find. What we didn't realize is that was somebody's trailer that they were just storing behind that building. A couple days later, cops showed up in my house looking for my older brothers. How many of you know sometimes it's good to have older brothers? You can blame stuff on them cops left. I said to my mom, I was like, hey, why were the cops here? Were they about that trailer? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, me and my buddies did that. And she said, why on earth would you do that? And I told her, because it felt good. <laughs> the difficult thing when things break, though, is that they're often really costly to fix. That trailer cost a whole lot of money to fix. I learned a difficult lesson that day. You know, you drop bowling balls on, on top of automobiles and you realize something that if you wanted to fix that automobile, it would cost you something to do it. It's not going to fix itself. Then there are things like birthday cakes that were lit on fire that trapped five stories. There's no way to piece that brokenness back together again to make it whole. And when we look at the Christmas story, it stems from this way back in the beginning that our us as humans, we started breaking things. We broke our relationship with God, and that caused us to feel broken within ourselves. And then out of the inward brokenness that we felt, we started breaking stuff all around us. And all of a sudden, you had this cycle of brokenness that exists in our world, and it existed in Jesus' day, and it still exists today. And it causes people to cry out, and it caused people to cry out, God help us. And in Jesus' day, people were crying out, God, help me, because they looked around and their political system was dysfunctional. And they prayed, maybe, God, you would send somebody to come in, be a political ruler, set up shop, and make things better for humanity. There's those of us in our world today who are going, God, no matter which side wins, it seems like we're in the same spot. Please help us send somebody do something. You see, there's, there's things that went on in the world before Jesus came. There were wars. There was racism then, just as there is today. People were going hungry then, just as they are today. The world was broken, and it needed fixing. And you see, it didn't just happen one day that we stepped into a broken world. The, the brokenness of the world was the result of a whole lot of broken people breaking a lot of things. And the brokenness that we see globally today is the result of the inward brokenness that we feel. You see, if we were to be really honest with ourselves and we talk about pulling out boxes at Christmas, the reality is that part of our problem is that we like to keep Jesus tidy in the box, put away. Because when he's put away, then we can be on display. Then we can be the one that's noticed, recognized, adored, paid attention to, and maybe even worshipped. And so we set up this little one-stop shop in our own heart where we're, we're the king or queen, where we're the ruler. 
and it's dysfunctional because everybody goes around doing their things their own way that seem best to them. And it causes the world around us to become so broken. And so when we ask this question of why, why did Jesus come? We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 1 and read uh, here in Matthew chapter 1, right before this verse, verse 20, you see Joseph, he's uh, betrothed to Mary. They're betrothed to each other. They're going to get married. And then Joseph finds out that his girl is pregnant. And he does what anybody else does. He freaks out. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should still marry this girl. And then uh, God sends an angel to Joseph. And the angel says this, and we'll go in verse 20. It said, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred, occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, Jesus didn't come on a political mission to fix the political system and establishments that existed in his world in that day so that he could set up himself as ruler you see, Jesus didn't come just simply on an educational mission to perhaps teach people a better worldview. And if they were more educated and cultured, things would get better. Jesus didn't come as a psychologist to sit down with people and help them to just maybe feel better. You see, Jesus came to do the one thing that nobody else could do. You see, when we sinned, when we broke our relationship with God, there wasn't enough things that we could do to repair it. There wasn't like a list. There wasn't a system. There wasn't a price that we could pay to make things right. The price that had to be paid was the price that Jesus paid, and only he could do it. You see, even at his birth, he was God incarnate. You know what? There's several people on our church staff who are, are, are pregnant, families who are pregnant right now. And if, if you were to come up to them or they were to tell you, hey, this baby inside me, they're going to forgive the sins of the world. They're going to they're gonna save people from their sins. We'd all look at them and go, yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> no, your, your baby's not God. <laughs> Only God could forgive sins. Only God could do that. And what we realize is that Jesus vacated the right hand of the throne of God in heaven to come down to earth in the most vulnerable form that you could imagine as a baby so that he could live a perfect life. So that when God the Father looked at him, he'd say, my son, I'm so proud of you, my good and faithful servant. That, that his record with God was perfection. And then as a grown man, he'd go to the cross and he'd take that perfection that he had earned, that he deserved, and his good standing with God. And he would take that and he would put it over our brokenness. So that when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see our bad record. He doesn't see our broken relationship. That he'd see the perfection of his son Jesus in us. Jesus came to forgive his people of their sins. Jesus came so that we could be called his very own. You see, the second part of this, uh, the, the result of our brokenness inside is that it, it's caused us to be broken with other people, broken relationships. Genesis chapter 1, God created the heaven and earth. God spoke, and as he spoke, creation responded to his voice. Per creation was perfection. I think about writers like J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, and Lewis in the Chronicle of Narnia writes about Aslan, the kind of messianic figure in the story, uh, being there at creation and singing creation into being, and it was amazing as things just came to be. 
The reality that we face today is that our creation was put under a curse because of our actions, that we broke God's creation. And did you know that even creation longs to be restored? Even creation longs to be renewed? And you can read in Romans chapter 8, verse 20, the apostle Paul writes, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. You see... Once we start to take hold of what, what Jesus has done for us and that good news of Jesus sets into our hearts, we have this, this thing that happens where God cleanses us, he makes us new, and then we still live in this broken world, but we all look forward to a day when Jesus will come back and make a new heavens and a new earth. And, and in verse 23 of Romans chapter 8, it goes on to saying, we as believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be redeemed released from all suffering. We too, we wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including new bodies as he promised. We are given this hope when we are saved. You see, when Jesus came, he was the foretaste. He was the first. He was the first one that would come and that would be raised to new life. And then he gives that new life to us. And we have this glorious expectation that we too will, will rule and reign with our Father and live as adopted sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords forever and ever. And I love this because as creation groans, we sang this song this morning, Joy to the World. And you might not know this, but the hymn writer uh, Isaac Watts actually wrote this hymn, and he's a fascinating character who you could look into. He's got some cool stories that are written about him. But he didn't write Joy to the World about just baby Jesus. He wrote the song, Joy to the World, thinking about the day when Jesus would return, when creation would sing back to its creator in worship. You see, our response is once we recognize what Jesus has done for us, once we recognize what God has made available to us through Jesus, our response is to be blown away and say, that news is too good to be true. And in fact, it's too good, but it is true. Joy to the world, the lyrics of that song are powerful words when taken into consideration through that perspective. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Heaven and nature sing. Rocks, hills, plains. They repeat the sounding joy. You go on and on and everything in that song is just this picture, this word picture of creation being restored and singing out and worship to its creator. The second part of this passage of scripture in Matthew is this. It's that you shall, uh, he will be Emmanuel. You'll call me Emmanuel, God with us. How beautiful that is. You see, we're weak, we're broken, we're fragile, but have you seen the guy that comes with me? Sometimes our problems look big, our life looks difficult, we've lost the wonder, we don't know how to fix it, but have you seen the God that goes with me? You see, Jesus was God with us. And you might not realize this, but this comes from Matthew chapter 1. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is about to ascend up into heaven, and he gives his disciples this instruction. He says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and I will go with you till the end of the age. You see, Jesus didn't come as a one-hit wonder. Jesus came that he might come, that he might remain with us till the very end, so that we don't ever have to face the difficulties of life alone. 
Emmanuel, God with us. You see, the name of Jesus carries power, and even in the scripture, we can read about that wonderful name. We have this list of names of Jesus that Jesus is the first and he's the last. He's the beginning and the end. The Alpha and Omega, the Ancient of Days. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the Anointed One, the Messiah. He's our prophet. He's our priest. He's our King. He's our Savior, the only wise God, wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord Almighty. Doesn't it make you want to worship? He's the good shepherd. He's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. He's the logos, the light, the light of the world, the the light of life, the tree of life, the word of life, the bread that came down from heaven. It's making me want to worship. He's the spring that if a person drink of it will never thirst again. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's our rock. He's our bridegroom. He's our beloved. He's our redeemer. He's the head over all things, which is his body, the church. He's Jesus, God, with us. We're about to start worshiping in here. You see, he's God with us both now and forever. And the good news about Jesus is not something that we're able to just simply take out once a year. It's not a seasonal decoration that we add to our lives. It's something that sets into the depths of our soul, and it changes everything. It changes us on the inside. It changes us from the inside out so that we go from being lost to found, so that we go from spiritual death to spiritual life, from spiritual orphans to sons and daughters of the Most High God. You see, this, this message, this good news, it's a daily awe. It's a daily wonder that overflows from a heart that is grateful that it has been rescued. You see, God has done a great work through Jesus. He's doing a great work. And we look forward with great anticipation to the completion of his work in us personally and in the world around us so that someday we might as a church sing out with all creation worship to our creator. Come on, somebody. So there's the truth of who Jesus is. But the way that we connect with all that he proclaims and all that the word says he is, is through worship. It's the response to who he is that gets us connected. See, otherwise it's on the other side of the wall, on the other side of the window, The thing that brings us close to who Jesus is, is our Savior. The one who takes broken things and puts them back together is through worship. Worship is recognizing that I can't fix the world myself. I need a Savior. Worship is the capacity to bow in our hearts and recognize that there is a world much larger and far more complex than we could ever realize. That there's other dimensions. There are generations of people that have gone before us. The scripture says that around the throne, that there are millions upon millions of people worshiping the lamb which was slain. So as we look at Jesus this Christmas, We have the opportunity to capture the wonder through worship. If we really capture the wonder, our natural response will be to worship Jesus 
long after celebrating his birth. If we really capture it, then we will worship. So what's your response going to be? Is your response going to be, you know, that's good information. Or are you going to engage? Just a few years ago, I heard a story about a gathering of ministers. And pastors and ministers are used to being around church services. Perhaps you're used to being around church stuff. And we kind of have like Pavlov's dog's response to the bell ringing. When certain songs are sung, we feel certain way. And at this gathering for ministers at a Christmas party, they're all around tables, several hundred in a room. And somebody was playing on the piano, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. You guys know that song. And it's just kind of playing in the backdrop. And without realizing it, there were several ministers throughout the room that began to lift their hands. Now, somebody just yelled, but I wouldn't be yelling. See, they were not worshiping. Their hand was going up because they were just responding to the mood. Church, I don't want us to just get in the mood. I want my brain intellectually, my emotion feeling internally, and my physical body to be engaged all three parts in sync. I don't want my body doing one thing and my mind being disconnected from it. I don't want to go through the motions. I want to be worshiping Jesus. And not just one moment in my story when I bowed my heart before Christ, received the mercy of God, but I want my whole life every day to be engaged in all that is available. And the scripture says that if we call upon the name of the Lord, he will answer us. Back in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, the wise men went on their way, it says, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. Everybody said, enter the house. And they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Many scholars believe that the wise men actually arrived years later, one or two years later, after the night in which the shepherds had worshiped. And I've got some wise men that came. So if you could imagine a few years later, along comes these wise men, and Jesus is now a toddler. And they're worshiping. We don't know exactly the time period. But my point is this. My point is that we cannot only worship him as a baby, but that throughout our lifetime, we can engage in the power of the promise of Jesus, who was born, the Son of God, was raised up, died on a cross for our sin, was raised from the dead, and now is at the right hand of the Father, and he is 
coming soon. So the heartbeat of those that follow Jesus is not only historical, it isn't just present tense, but there is a cry in our hearts. Jesus is coming back and we are worshiping the one true God who shall return on a white horse. He's the one that will conquer all things that are broken in our lives today. All the things that seem so wrong in our culture. The day is coming when he will rule the nations. That's what joy to the world is about. It's an inner cry to the eternal that says, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I know what you've done. I know what you're doing, but I yearn for when you come again. Can I get an amen? Church, there is an opportunity for us to tap into the eternal today on all of our campuses. Our worship teams are going to lead the people of God in worship. And I would like to ask church for you to give God your full attention in your mind, in your spirit, your heart, as well as with your body to worship him and then begin to say, I'm ready for you to come, Jesus. I'm looking for you and I choose to worship you. Would you stand with me today?